0: Welcome, everybody, to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast at Burn Origination, and you could find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorigination.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcast, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, all of the major places where you can find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and I. Feel free to connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who's a way better podcaster than I am,
1: Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? i appreciate the very small trophy that you sent over um no gerald anytime i i get to do a podcast with you whether it um vanishes into thin air or goes out for folks to listen to it's always um in in absolute joy
0: so you were probably wondering last week around this time where's the podcast uh so i am bad at my job and had some audio issues on our end so we had some technical issues and uh, we didn't have a show So here we are Back again
1: I will tie it together for our listeners In, in a pop culture way that I think will resonate um, With the Venn diagram of our, our fan base. We're going to give Gerald um, A little bit of a do-over Like this week's Bachelor Am I right? We can talk later Hit me in the, uh, in the tweet mentions Just kidding um, my, my, my wife could talk about the Bachelor I try not to But right? Am I right? Crazy Anyways, um, Gerald, go on
0: we, we come up with all these random podcast ideas uh, while we're riffing, Kyle. We need to just launch one one of these days. Uh, so maybe maybe Bachelor Bros is Ooh. the one that we're going to go with. Maybe. I don't know. That would require me to watch The Bachelor, and I just don't know if I could do that. Um, but we could – you know what we could do is we could uh, – each maybe each week only one of us watches, and people have to <laughs> guess which one watched <laughs> that week. <laughs>
1: That's actually great. Um, you could totally, and, I think, and you could
0: totally pull it off.
1: I, I think you're right. I think you could really illuminate. and like, oh my gosh, can you believe she said that about the other one? Wow. I mean, wild, huh? That Talk about drama. I bet we could actually do
0: it with neither of us watching the show.
1: <laughs> Just like with a cast list so we might know some names?
0: Just throw out some names. Yeah. Whatever. I bet
1: there's a, Be- uh, a Bethany or a Brittany or a... You know, like a Victoria.
0: Extraneous, (laughs) extraneous letters in each of those names. Hopefully.
1: hopefully. It's not, it's
0: not Megan guys. It's Megan. It's Megan. (laughs) Uh, So we're not, I don't know. I don't know how we got there, but we're here now. Uh, So we're just (laughs) going to make a hard 90 degree turn. Uh, We are finally continuing through with our retrospective. We've done quarterback, running back, wide receiver, offensive line defensive line linebackers which means we're on the secondary and the secondary in the 2019 season was the talk of the town and not necessarily for a good reason The secondary really struggled in a lot of spots uh, probably has to do with a lack of consistency from who the heck was going to be on the field week to week due to injuries and things like that. So, when you look back and you think about the secondary in 2019, Kyle, what's the story for you?
1: Well, I, I think the story, right, is is it's easy to forget because it's been so long ago. This is the team that came out in the We're The Real DBU shirts, right? And, and again, apologies to Dallas Baptist for overlooking them, but um, uh, this is... A position group when we look back that there are lofty expectations every year and when you have like a coach huff on the team that lived through the you know some of the 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 many glory years um and, and puts that level of expectation directly on the players and they internalize that um and they know about it then then you know you this is There's a reason we saved this one for last. This is an area, um, probably deservedly so, for some caveats, but also deservedly so for some scrutiny. Um, this is a, a group that talked about it. Um, I don't know if every single play of every single game, they, in fact, were about it. Um, D-backs money makers. Um, I, I don't know um, that... I guess Brandon Jones will ultimately test this, but if anyone necessarily made a ton of money for themselves based on the play this past year, it was not all bad. I'm going to start and say that. And there are reasons that it probably wasn't as good as it could be. Um, I mean... I mean I'm going to start right at the top and say, look, this was a young unit. Well, I'll focus on that part of it. They replaced 146 starts overall on defense, but 90 of those were at defensive back between starting quarterbacks and nickelback, um, Chris Boyd, Devontae Davis, and, and, and P.J. Locke. So, I mean, that's a ton of, as Coach Popovich always liked to call it, corporate knowledge um, to have to replace. That's a ton. It was always going to be an uphill battle and a slow start and then you you, you know you, you meet a legendary season of, of Joe Burrow at the beginning when you're at your um, you know your, your most naive but uh, it didn't didn't necessarily get all perfect uh, immediately as the season went on. Uh, Gerald, I think you have something to say about that.
0: The Texas team that played up with LSU defensively, is not the same Texas team that, like, I don't know, went to went to Dallas or uh, was in Fort Worth, right, uh, or was in you know Iowa State or Baylor, like, because uh, the lack of consistency in the secondary, and, and we talked a lot. It became a running joke that uh, every quarterback that plays against Texas finds his name at least for one week in the Heisman conversation, and it's it's primarily because like whether it was injuries or, or the need to change, but there was no spot in the secondary that had the same player play for all well, I say that there was a change in every spot. So there wasn't a starter that started the entire season at a specific spot in the secondary. I mean, the longest run you have, um, really is like a five game run from Caden Stearns to end the season, or to like in the beginning, the beginning of the season. Uh, but outside of that, like it was just turnover and turnover and turnover. There was just some churn uh, there. And then the fact that you have like 13 different guys that started a game, that's just, that's just crazy town. Like you're not going to be able to put together a consistent and cohesive unit. If you don't know who's going to be lining up next to you week in and week out.
1: Yeah, and and Coach Zajicek talked a lot about offensive line trust and how important it is to know the person next to you and their tendencies and what they're doing and have that almost telepathic understanding that um, when I go get this guy, it's because I know you're going to get this guy. I think defensive back certainly has some of that component. Now, I didn't necessarily play the defensive back position at the elite level that Coach Zajicek did, but I I played many years in that position, and uh, it's safety mainly, but... uh, There is a great deal of trust because probably of any position on the field, your mistakes are highlighted. They become glaring. They become highlights. Um, on ESPN, um, if you mess up and you blow a coverage, that's a touchdown pass, right? It's, it's you know, if you're too late on your rotation, that's a, a 30-yard gain that should have been a five-yard or eight-yard gain. Um, so, I mean, it matters that you're on the same page. It matters that when, you know, quarterbacks are so adept in the Big 12 and just in college football in general, um, getting up there and seeing what you're doing and audible and and motioning or coming out in interesting formations that try to stretch you or test you, um, there's a lot of split-second Decisions that happen, having, you know, even within the same game, six different guys who are next to you, you know, is, is very hard to make that quick eye contact and understand, yeah, of course, as they're lined up in this diamond package over here, I know that you're taking anything on this, you know, third, I'm going here, right? Like, there are those... Decisions that obviously are a coaching issue. You have to make sure you everyone knows that, and it shouldn't just be coaching the starters because you prepare for the worst, um, you know, or plan for the worst, and uh, and and prepare for the. I don't know the saying, but anyways, um, so it, it matters. Continuity is an enormously um, key component to defensive backs, right? But but the, there is also, um, you know, there is a point where you have a transcendent talent. You want to see him step up and and truly be D-back moneymakers, earn that money, you know, show, okay, like Caden Stearns, he himself battled injuries even when he was playing, Um, didn't look like he took over games the same way he did as a freshman. He played well, don't get me wrong, Um, but maybe we were hoping for too much, and especially given all the circumstances. But I feel like I've done a lot of negative um, setting and I don't think we should only focus on negative when we look back on this unit. Do you agree?
0: No, there was a lot of positive to talk about with this group. And one of the positives is that we talked about already. A lot of young guys got a ton of experience this year, so hopefully uh, the on-ramp is accelerated. But um, you need Brandon Jones, Kane Stearns, and were number two and three on the team in tackles, and and they were a big chunk of what uh, Texas managed to do. A guy, a guy like Chris Brown, who I think finished fourth on the team in tackles, uh, is going to be a guy who has a lot to say about what the secondary does in 2020. And again, I think the fact that you've got guys like Tyler Owens, like D. Overshone, like Anthony Cook, um, you know, B.J. Foster, a lot of these guys got a ton of reps in the trench. Uh, they're going to have their production and their development accelerated because of that. And this is a team that, again, this class, these guys that are going to be, I guess, juniors now, uh, redshirt sophomores and juniors, one of the best defensive back classes in school history. And so getting these guys more reps and more experience, more opportunity is not a bad thing.
1: Yeah. And and it almost takes away the, Oh, this guy's a junior. He's going to start right away. It's best player, get out there and play. Um, So you have sophomores, maybe with, you know, just as much experience. You probably have some freshmen with a ton of experience where it really um, gives this spring an interesting look as these guys go out there and, and, and battle, but because they have, you know, some experience and they've already go nerdy for you, Gerald um, uh, earned up some XP points uh, in their leveling up. Um, (laughs) You're welcome. Uh, You know, it it helps, right? Like, I think, like you said, the talent pool is there. They do have obviously a new coach um, in a couple, really. I think Ash will coach the safeties and and obviously coach fly coaching the cornerback. So, you know, how, Who steps up in a new system? Who takes Carpe's that DM? Who takes their experience from this year and separates themselves from a group that really, because so many people played, you know, felt, um, you know, uh, maybe a mile wide and an inch deep? If you think of it that way, there wasn't necessarily a ton of separation for most of these positions for next season. So, I mean, that, that... is interesting, and especially in the spring, offers a lot of opportunity for these guys to go out there, you know, kill it in the weight room, get pads on, um, and show that they're ready to to separate and, and snag one of these spots for next season. And you
0: keep talking about spring, and we're going to bring it up in just a minute, but we're like two weeks away From spring practice and, you know, a month ish away from the spring game. So I'm interested to see how it turns out. And I'll leave you with one thing, Kyle Uh, saying XP points is like saying ATM machine. It's experience points. I just wanted to just give you that feedback on uh, that, that you could just say XP and it's a lot quicker.
1: Oh, good, good to know. Um, I don't know the exact point system that they used in Assassin's Creed, um, Gerald, which that's right. I got you, which is a game that I, I the only game I can actually say um, that I, I feel confident that I'm better at than you. Um, but anyways, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll leave that for, for, for later uh, uh, discourse on our, on our video game podcast, or maybe I'll go on Gerald's great podcast. Maybe you've heard of it, to Woke Nerds. But anyways, to keep it topical on what we're talking about, we kind of hinted at it, Gerald, there's some guys who we have our eye on. There's some guys who did have good seasons. I think, you know, we talked about one in, in Jones who won't be back. Um, but, you know, there are a couple of players who had great seasons or, or stepped up and maybe surprised us with how much they achieved and will be heading into spring. Um, who are you most excited about? And who will you be watching most closely in the spring to see uh, how they're developing and moving into the the next season?
0: Man, I think Chris Brown is going to be a guy that I, I want to see um, what he brings to the table. He played um, he played some some of that safety spot when Brandon Jones moved out to nickel, and I think that's a spot that I think he can hold down. He is a violent player, but he isn't a uh, player that's a liability when they play violently, which I appreciate. Like he, he hits what he can see. He keeps his head up. uh, He doesn't, he's not really a targeting risk, but he, you can tell he finds joy in separating a player from the ball. You could say it sparks joy for him to, uh, to put a body on somebody. So he's a guy that I'm really, really interested uh, to see. And then a guy like Deshaun Jameson, who I think can be um, – he made some of the most athletic plays in the secondary. I think we saw all his, his ability to recover, his ability to kind of control and contort his body to make a play. He ended up leading the team in interceptions uh, with like 25% of the team's interceptions this year. So I think those two guys are guys that I'm really interested to see uh, what they bring to the table.
1: Yeah, and I mean a team last year that for all their woes still finished in the top – You know, I think they were number 31 with 12 interceptions last year. So um, not absolutely terrible. Hopefully a number that can improve. And that's why, um, to me, I'm not going to talk too much about Caden Stearns because I think it's just a put up or shut up. It's your your secondary now. You're the old head. You're the leader, Um, you know everyone on this podcast at least knows that you have all the the stuff, the tools to do it and be the next great DBU. So I'm not going to choose him as one of my two. And then I, I kind of cheated there um, by making him an honorable mention. But uh, I I am watching, and I and I, and I and I did this all year last year. I'm really watching a cornerback group, and I'm watching um, the guy who I think Jameson is electric, unbelievable athlete speed, can be a really great cornerback, but a guy who I think is – his ceiling is just NFL you know lockdown is is truly has the stuff to be elite at this level and the next and that's Jalen Green a guy who I just really really like his skill set when when we were flush with uh with options there and in just elite four and high four and five star kids I he was the one who just immediately stood out to me whether it's the all-american game watching his high school tape in spring uh last season just a guy who always caught my eye um and always seemed to do a lot of things right I think he has a a ton of room for that floor to go up, and for his baseline performance to be um, better each game. But I, I really am also excited to see him reach some of the uh, some of the ceiling at the top. And then um, the the other again, I'm really cheating here, is for the young guys who who showed out last year with a couple key signature plays, and like I said, didn't really care about what you know was in the parentheses after their name for the year and and year's experience. But two freshmen, and I'm just going to be say I, I can't wait to see which one steps up and gets regular rotation, and maybe both. But in Kenyatta Watson and, and Chris Eddie Moore, I think two guys who... Preston to duty rose to the occasion, um, will really benefit from a Yancey offseason, will really benefit from, you know, just a feeling of they belong there, having the new coach and coming in. And, you know, he's newer than them now. So they're guys who have experience. And so um, I think one of them absolutely will step up and end up being a big part of this Texas secondary.
0: Yeah. I think Eddie Mora is a guy that had, again, both those guys have a high seal. it's really hard for us to, like, yeah, that guy's a high ceiling. Like, it, it is what it is. Like, they're, they're both really stinking good at football, so we're kind of splitting hairs to pick which one of these young guys. But it's a good problem to have is that there's a ton of young talent. And so Texas, again, closing in on spring practice, and we'll be with you through the entire way as we look forward.
1: All right, so that brings us to – everyone's favorite part of the week is burnt orange lenses where we take a look the entire landscape of sports with our burnt orange glasses on and we're going to start uh we talked a little football heavy on this show so we're going to go out of it you might come back to it i I have a hunch we're going to talk about some other things that we're passionate about um here on this podcast And, and i think if you know gerald and you know myself this one is an obvious one but uh the Round Rock Express are currently offering a a promotion, a bobblehead giveaway, not an uncommon thing in minor league stadiums, but the bobblehead that they're doing, I love it, um for this International Women's Month and just after International Women's Day is a Cat Osterman bobblehead giveaway. Gerald, how much money are you buying one of these for on eBay?
0: Um nothing short of a mortgage payment will <laughs> do. Fair
1: enough. Uh, no, we've we've said it time and again. We are both huge fans of her work. I mean, she's still technically, I think, on the U.S. Olympic softball team. I mean, like, just as well as coaching um, currently in the college ranks. Just... There is no no limit to the, the amount of things she can do. My dream is that one day she replaces Coach Mike White, who's won six na- uh, softball national championships in a row and hands over the reins to Kat to win another about 12 in a row. And we just have two decades of national championships um, for the the Texas women's softball team. But that's a few years away. Yet, so I want to talk about some things that are now we didn't really get to cover it in our basketball uh, previews. We went a little deep in the the specifics, um, but should not be overlooked. In a tough year, we still had a couple accolades. Not you know the the, the, the expectation with the recruits level that we had, and and you know w- what we have come to know with our one and duns but uh, we did have one player uh Matt Coleman named to the third team all Big 12 men's basketball um and in addition we had three players named to the honorable mentions
0: it's telling how frustrating the season was that the highest accolade a Texas player received was a third team all conference like i i, I don't want to like be rude to those guys especially as they're about to run out and play they're definitely listening to this podcast but like it just it's just indicative of how frustrating the season was
1: yeah that I mean it, it's perfectly fair I do think you know the the Courtney Ramey and Jericho Sims were on the honorable mention but one thing to note is Andrew Jones was also on that honorable mention team and I think um, I, I think it's just really cool like it's easy to get sucked into the season and forget remember his story and how he got here and uh, and and just to even be on an honorable mention team from where that trajectory could have been. It's just amazing. Um, so keep, you know, keep rooting for the, the happy stories, find the, find the joy, keep choosing joy. Um, a story I am I am joyfully glad to bring. Um, a, a name that we've talked about, I believe, on this podcast, because I think she was inducted into another Hall of Fame, but uh, a, a basketball player from our hometown, San Antonio, Texas, even though she did play uh, John Jay. Um, not that they're really our rival, but uh, and then went on to just an, an utterly stellar career at the University of Texas. Uh, Clarissa Davis had her number 24 jersey retired in the final game uh, of the, uh, the women's regular season. Um, she was the Naismith College Player of the Year uh, her senior year in '88, '89, um, as well as to basically every other award um, of Player of the Year that uh, could be awarded. was a two time All American. Um, and uh, just, I think she was the most outstanding player as a freshman in the Final Four uh, in that year that they won uh, the championship and undefeated season, 34 0 in 1987, and, and also took them to two. Uh, elite eights after that so just probably the pinnacle of basketball men's or women's the 40 acres is the 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 kind of span that she was on campus I mean you can you can read any number of um, accolades awards or uh, historical uh, legacies that uh, that she has accomplished and it is uh, justified and rightfully so that she is celebrated uh, and had her number retired
0: long overdue like this one feels like it should have happened like Five or ten years ago, um, Del Conte's really like prioritized the honors for the old, especially um, in women's athletics. You see a lot of it happening, so I'm really excited uh, to see those ladies get their just uh, just do and see their their names in the rafters or wherever they go at the other stadiums.
1: That's right, and she she also um, was an Olympic medalist, so we love having those on the Forty Acres. We've mentioned we are we're now an Olympic sports school, um, <laughs> but getting back to uh, to what I think we always will be forever and forever. We have a couple football items to talk, and I want to start with one of our favorite uh, general burnt orange items to discuss, um, and that's a man who we all know and love, and that's uh, that's Mac Brown. Um, Gerald Mac Brown's Ben Cruton. We we know that Mac. Always has been a recruiter, always will be a recruiter, always at Texas was a recruiter, but he's proven um, that he can go out and just, just get the best wherever he's at. Probably no surprise. Um, he uh, he flipped a quarterback from a little, little university just up the road um, from Chapel Hill called the University of Alabama. It was the only quarterback in Alabama's um, recruiting cycle, four-star Drake May. Um, Gerald... Just how good is Mac at the cruton?
0: Every coach that comes into a program says, "Oh, we're going to lock down the state. We're going to lock down the state. We're going to lock down the state." Uh, And which is, it's, it's big talk being in North Carolina uh, saying that with Clemson right across the border. Uh, But what Mac Brown has done is he started to lock down the state, and we saw that happen in the twenty twenty class where he started to poach. Really big time players, and it even started when he first got on campus, uh, flipping the the quarterback from Florida State, uh, who's an in in state kid for him. Uh, but like signing a top, like a guy who's right outside of the top fifty, like the number fifty six player in the country. Um, and if he sticks in this class, he would be like the eighth best player signed all time in in North Carolina history. Uh, t- Mac Brown would have two of the top ten in his first two full recruiting cycles, which is just Absolutely nuts. But the thing I love about Mac is is Mac does what Mac does where he just goes out and builds relationships. He went out and he or one of his coaches went to every high school in the state of North Carolina. Every high school in the State of North Carolina. And it was just like, hey, you may not have a kid for us now, but we want to know that we care about you, and we want North Carolina kids to stay home. And so, you may not have a kid now, but we may have a kid in three or four years. And so, we want it. We want you to know that we value this state and we value the talent that you provide, and we can win conference championships with North Carolina kids. And it's just absolutely incredible.
1: <sighs> and yet, Tommy Tuberville is the guy who's running for office. Elect Mac Brown. Get him in there. Gosh, he's so go- gosh darn good at uh, at what he what he does. Gosh, I love Mac. Uh, we'll have a couple quick hitters talking about the actual Burn Orange team here real quick. Daryl alluded to it earlier, but uh, spring practice starts on the 24th. So when you're listening to this, uh, presumably on the day it releases, 12 days from now. We are close, guys, to to football, pads, real, uh, real-ish, football. And then only uh, 44 days, uh, for the day you're hearing this, we will have an actual uh, football game, really a glorified scrimmage. But the orange and white game, I count it. It's legitimate football. It's close. Feels good. Um, I, I'm just gonna run through here with some quick fire because th- there there is some news. Uh, wide receiver Joshua Moore. We um we wanted to get out there in case anyone missed the story. Pled no contest to unlawful carrying a weapon. Um, he is he is. Uh, we didn't really report on the podcast originally, but we had heard. Uh, all year from some of the sources we were talking to that he had been on the team practicing with the team um and and had been basically a member in good standing had really um done well in his classes never missed any meetings you know worked hard um and really earned his his way back um pending this outcome um he he uh he has a a spot on the, on the football team as well, and I think can be a big contributor. We saw him when he played um, two years ago, that he is lightning fast, good hands, um, and can be a contributor probably immediately um, on that receiver spot. But to, just to close out the circle, he'll get one year deferred adjudication and assuming no trouble, he will not. Uh, judge will not enter a conviction for that. Um, additionally, two quick depth chart, uh, items, tight end Reese Leitao was cross training at, at, at D line. And there's a report from Anwar, um, that, uh, Malcolm apps also taking some snaps uh, on the defense, I believe at defensive end, um, which, you know, Gerald, I'm just curious, does that mean that we need the defensive depth or does that mean that we should be totally expecting Jared Wiley and, uh, Mr. Lybrock to just be balling out of the tight end spot?
0: Latow is a guy who is an athlete, but he didn't really fit. I don't think he fits what Texas is going to do at tight end in under Mike Yuricich, and so I think he's a guy who hasn't really found his spot and found his niche, but he's a guy who I think has a ton of talent and a ton of um, opportunity to play at Texas. As far as Malcolm Epps goes that guy's still growing into his body. Like he looks like my, my mother-in-law has a great Dane puppy. And that's what Malcolm Epps reminds me of where it's just like, he's got all, he's got all of this body that he needs to grow into and trying to figure out the right spot for him. You know, at what he's like six, he says he's six, seven, which means he's six, six, but like a big frame, a big body. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see where he ends up and where he shakes out. Cause we saw earlier uh, in the off season that he moved, more inside from wide receiver to tight end. So I don't – I just – I need to find that kid a spot. Cause he's a guy who I think has a really, really high ceiling.
1: Yeah. And you wonder if it's a, uh, he's not, you know, he's just being big and hasn't really done some of the fundamental things. He's newer to the receiver position. He's learned to get that separation or what it is that it's causing this. I think he could probably hopefully be successful wherever he is just cause he's a, he's quite an athlete and, and obviously uh, has a huge frame, but uh, I trust the coaches know at least as much as we do. Gerald's maybe, maybe even more. So uh, I, I trust they will do, uh, do what's right there. But the, The other thing just on on Leitao is um, Guy is a masher and a mauler and loves to hit people. And that translates uh, pretty easily to the other side of the line. If you're a tight end who likes to hit people, you could be a defensive lineman who could go hit tight ends. You get to hit people. So uh, it makes perfect sense to me. Now, one story still in the football realm that I'm very excited about, Gerald, is uh, Earl Thomas was named the the Pro Football Focus's NFL All-Decade team. They graded, I don't remember how many snaps they said across how many thousands across the decade um, and Earl Thomas uh, reigned in that upper echelon for the defensive backfield, citing his, his work with Seattle being kind of the the elite unit um, in in the league in those years post, I don't know, maybe the Ravens team with Ed Reed back in the day in the Ray Lewis days, but uh, really the lockdown um, unit, he was the, the anchor of and then showed that he can do it uh, healthy still at this age with the Ravens earning a Pro Bowl this season. So, you excited for Earl?
0: How could you not be excited for Earl? Dude was, dude's one of the all-time greats of Texas, and he's becoming one of the all-time greats. Like He's a Hall of Famer uh, in the NFL, and I just love to see uh, those Texas guys succeeding at the next level because, uh, well, one, they, they need it, they deserve it, and he's worked hard for it. And two, like, let's go ahead and talk about how Texas can put some guys in the NFL. Uh,
1: Gerald, I'd like for you to give me um, – Me, like I'm a five-year-old, and I have maybe missed uh, some or at least the most recent episodes of The Hustle. Where are we at on The Hustle? What are the folks missing if they're not checking in to see The Hustle?
0: So if you don't know, if you're not caught up with it, The Hustle is a, um, I guess, the new part of the Forever Texas program where they're preparing players – For a career beyond football, you know, not all of these guys. In fact, most of these guys will not play in the NFL. And so the hustle is a competition that spans the spring semester that gives student-athletes an opportunity to develop a business plan and a business model, get some mentorship from uh, local business owners, and get some direct feedback on their uh, their plans and their proposals. And so the most recent episode was uh, them giving their pitch to move on to the finals to get some one-on-one mentoring with the business coach. And so um, five teams, five finalists move forward. Most notably, though, the group with quarterback won did not make the cut. Uh, but there are five teams that moved on, uh, move forward. And just the, the, you know, I, in my, my day job, I'm a, I'm a uh, uh, employee development. My, I kind of, my talent developments, my uh, my title and, and getting to see college students period with these types of opportunities is going to accelerate their ability in the workforce, because there are, these are skills that can, kind of set you apart these are skills if I can walk in and level set with an executive and really say and articulate really clearly my my business ideas and and be able to work and command a room and give a good presentation like that's a differentiator for a lot of young students and young graduates so I love that these guys are getting an opportunity uh to do something like
1: this I hope that that young QB1 Sam Ellinger getting cut from this competition ends up equating to Tim Tebow's promise where Sam comes out and says I just want to I want to say sorry to the fans and everybody in Longhorn Nation. I'm extremely sorry I let you down. We were hoping for an undefeated pitch season. It's my goal. Something has never been done. But I promise you one thing, a lot of good will come of this. You'll never see any player in the entire country play as hard with a chip on his shoulder, push everyone harder than I will to win this pitch competition and a national championship because Texas is back. God bless and hook them. That's it for me, Gerald. That's all I got. And that's all we've got for you this week Kyle
0: Where can the good folks find you on the internet
1: Oh you can find me on Twitter at Kyle Carpenter You can also follow the Texas pre-gamer At Texas pre-gamer
0: You can follow me on Twitter I'm at G.H. Goodrich Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Shoot us an email LonghornRepublicPod At com. Thank you so much for tuning in again This week and until next time
1: Hook em. Hook 'em. Bachelor Bros is taken on Twitter Maybe bros before Rose.